What's happening, weirdos? What's happening? What a wonderful episode. It is great. Let's get with it. It is great. <laughs> it is great, I promise. No, Honest. It is. We laughed so hard. We're so yeah. glad you're here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. And thanks to all the weirdos that came out to the show in Atlanta last night. It was great. Excited for all the weirdos tonight in Charlotte. Uh, more tour dates are on PeteHolmes.com. And if you like the show and you want to support the show, why not try a Pete's Pick? Katie, roll them ads. Uh, this episode is brought to us by what I'm currently wearing right now. This is absolutely a life-changing uh, piece of technology. This is my Apollo Neuro. For those of you listening, you can't see it, but it basically looks like a, uh, a wristwatch that I basically, basically, heavy on the basically's in the intro, have it on the inside of my wrist, but it's not a, it's not a watch. It's, uh, what is it? It's a piece of wearable tech. You guys hear about this wearable tech going around? Apollo Neuro is basically like a wearable hug for your nervous system. What does that mean? It means currently right now I have it on a setting called Rebuild and Recover, and it's delivering directly into my nervous system in a language that my nervous system can understand. Gentle, uh, almost sub-perceptual vibration, meaning it's not something I notice. It's just kind of running throughout my day, but it's delivering vibrations that are received to my system as a message, in this case, to rebuild to recover after a long day and a lot of physical activity it's been shown to help with recovery but that's not it it also helps with energy and waking up it helps with being social and open which is a great setting for creative work in fact when i'm wearing it which is every episode on this podcast i'm rocking it on social and open clear and focused it's been shown clinically to help people with uh, procrastination focused uh, all the symptoms of adhd that we're all familiar with uh, meditation and mindfulness. It helps you get deeper in your meditation practice just by lulling you into a more calm state, basically giving your body the sensation that it's being held, which is incredible. At night, I put it on relax and unwind. That's what I have it on when I'm watching a t TV or reading a book at the end of the night. Helps me fall asleep faster. And also the sleep and renew. If all this thing did was help me fall asleep and stay asleep with no, you know, not a pharmaceutical, no drug, nothing like that, it would be worth it. I'd already be singing its praises, but it does all of those things. My favorite thing about it is if I get up in the middle of the night, use the bathroom or something, come back in bed, my brain starts going like, okay, what do we got tomorrow? What are we going to do? It starts worrying. I, I hit the two buttons on this. No need to go on your phone or anything. It reruns the last program. Sleep and Renew runs again, and it gently lulls me back to sleep. Sometimes I describe it like if, you're, if someone's patting you like this, like at a rhythm, and then they slow down the rhythm. That physical touch can tell your nervous system it's safe, it is not in danger, it's okay to go to sleep, or it's okay to meditate. Or in the, in the opposite, it can get your heartbeat going. The energy and wake-up setting is like drinking an espresso, but you don't have to get any chemical, nothing like caffeine in your system, and you'll still get that jolt of energy. So it is a wearable that helps you recover from stress, helps you use touch therapy to feel safe and in control. I wear it on my wrist. You can also wear it on your ankle. Soothing vibrations that train your nervous system to recover and rebalance after stress. I always say this, but it is not woo-woo. It's not sold in crystal shops. It was designed by a neuroscientist and a board-certified psychiatrist who have been studying the impacts of chronic stress in humans for nearly 15 years. And Apollo's effect on stress, sleep, cognitive performance, and recovery have been proven in multiple clinical trials and real-world studies, and there's always more coming in. I'm in touch with these guys, and they're always sending me new studies, more 
more data that shows that this works. In fact, on the road, it's really nice. I meet more and more weirdos that are wearing them, and they say, thank you for introducing me to the Apollo. That is why I'm so glad to be working with them, and why I'm grateful to have them to bring us this episode. You can give it a try, or give it as a gift. We've given away, I think, at least 10 of them as a gift. So go to apolloneuro.com slash weird. You'll get 10% off, and it means so much. It shows support of this podcast. A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O dot com slash weird. 10% off, and feel a little bit more in control, a little bit safer, a little bit more relaxed or energized, whatever you needed to do. It's like the finding the fuse box to your body. So give it a try. All right, everybody. We're so glad you're here. This was a fun one. Valerie, we were due for a silly one. Yeah, we had a silly fun time. We, we're silly. We talk about sex. We talk about spirituality, the three S's. It's the, it's the show. It's the show. So go ahead and get into it. <laughs> That's what you went with? That's what you went with? This is a... Oh, I just realized what you were doing. I thought you were just making a really crazy sound, (laughs) but you were doing. I didn't know you could do it 10 out of 10 perfect. It's all I think about. That was good, but you're... It was too fast. No, you're right. You just have to go from there. Welcome to a tutorial. (laughs) You know how there's like unboxing videos on YouTube? This is a tutorial on how to do the theme... What? What? (laughs) What? There's also tutorial videos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We are road weary. Oh. That's my excuse. I feel like we're I'm road. You know how there's you know how there's <laughs> unboxing videos on YouTube. Well, well this is a tutorial. <laughs> it's insanity. That sounds like something Michael Scott would say. Yes. If Instagram was a thing when that show was a thing. Instagram? I mean YouTube. Right. Bruh, but there's right. also YouTube tutorials on Instagram. And TikTok, I'm told, but I'll never go near that damn thing. <laughs> TikTok is Instagram with no frames. It's just like, it's filling up the whole thing. Uh-huh. And it just floods in. Every time I walk into TikTok, <laughs> I feel like I'm walking into an orgy. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's- and, and I don't, and I'm not hard. I'm not hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not naked. I just ate I'm, a steak. <laughs> I just had a full beef steak. <laughs> Gross. The it guy that says of, beef steak. It, it's kind of like. I'll have the beef steak. Ew. Gross. Um, I do feel like it's like Tokyo. Like the, like down, like the Times Square in Tokyo is what TikTok oh, that's feels great. like. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And that's what it should be. I, mm-hmm. I'm just proud of us as a species that we made something. Because I'm feeling more 43. What is this? The opening line of a country song? But I'm feeling more <laughs> 43 than I've ever felt in all my 43 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a country song. By the way, I was in an airport, in an American airport, and there was like one of those, courage, pass it on. Oh, yeah. And it was Garth Brooks. Did you notice this? No. I just wouldn't be surprised if you you and I are merging yeah. so hard. Yeah. Our brains are becoming one. Mm-hmm. I I'm not just saying this to 
virtue signal or just to signal my love for you. Mm-hmm. I sure hope I'm getting as much of you as you're getting of me because I don't want it to just be us. And I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah. But certainly in your your observations and figuring out what I, what did you, you drop your ring? Yeah, I'm sorry. She's always dropping her ring, folks. <laughs> She's always dropping I her mean, ring. It definitely has more to say about my fidgeting than anything. But like that is some a characteristic of a short, in a short story of like yeah. a woman who doesn't or, want to be married. But it's all, no, that's funny. Yeah. I also thought it would be when I in a movie in the third act when I remember myself and I remember our love it would be one of those things where I go like I love how you're always losing your ring yeah and or like would like laugh like my one of my favorite movies my, one of my favorite moments in any movie ever I want to be clear it's not one of my favorite movies I'm just <laughs> you know how they have unboxing videos on YouTube this is like that but it's, it's a, a narrative it's a movie and there are uh, actors in it yeah I'm gonna um, get your ring and there's no oh, box. Two, both rings but in um, wedding, wedding and marriage, engage. marriage story, yeah. where it's like she's always, it's like the, it starts with the list of things that they like, love about each other. And it's like she's always brewing a cup of tea that she never finishes. That's one yeah. of the details. Yeah. It, mine would be like she's always dropping her damn ring. And that's what I did when I wrote my uh, vows for you, Vow, yeah. my vowaries. <laughs> but it don't, I, I, you know, I wanted to have. I've been to so many weddings where I have like sort of like a jealousy on how good the vows are. Mm, you know I didn't what I mean? Know that. Well, not even a jealousy, just like I guess just vow goals. Yeah. And they're always the good vows are the ones that have things like you're always brewing a cup of tea. I, I love like in I my vows I said I love that you laugh in your sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. And when I ask you what you were dreaming about, you said you were just hanging with friends. That's right. I haven't memorized. And <laughs> okay. word for word. Like, no. why would I be freaked out by that? Like, it would be freaked out. Like, that's only freaky if we're, like, dating and I'm not into it. Right. Like, that's the cliche scene be... where I'd be like, I actually remember every single word you said. That's only weird <laughs> if the other person isn't also in. In right. fact, marriage is that weird energy that you get from an overbearing girlfriend just right. returned just from the overbearing boyfriend. Totally. And it just it's just like docking, like two ding-dongs just docking into each other. It's, That's marriage. It's reciprocated. That's a good marriage. That's a really good point because the it's, times in my life that I've Don't been, worry, guys. I'm going to get to that Garth Brooks quote. I can't wait. You're going to love it. Um, It just said, thunder rolls. <laughs> thunder rolls. I couldn't have thought of I can't name a Garth oh, Brooks song. I, I think I was more into Garth Brooks than you realize. Um, oh, if you... <laughs> ended it than you that would be any any, any interest any at all person, yeah um i've always been more of a chris Gaines fan oh my god i just love Dar- darth brooks <laughs> darth brooks he should have been darth, darth brooks. brooks or darth Brooks or darth can cook <laughs> darth can cook there used to be a, around the same era that i was listening to darth <laughs> darth brooks <laughs> It's evil Garth Brooks. It's Darth Brooks. Why do you call himself Chris? That's not evil. Darth. Darth. It was right there. It was right there. Darth. <laughs> Darth. Um, around the time I was listening to Garth Brooks, uh, I was also watching a cooking show with my brother called Yan Can Cook. I know Yan. Yan Can, Can cook. cook. And then we would try to cook... But we can't go. Yeah, Yan can. Yan can. Val can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, so many threads where just like, you know, it's like it's you, when you walk dumb. into the room. It's like TikTok. <laughs> there's all the helium balloons and the strings are falling down your face. Yeah. Like that's yeah, this yeah, yeah. conversation. I also love that it opened with me being like, TikTok is too overwhelming. Welcome to my brain. Well, uh, all I, I was going to say, yeah, I want to say, it, you it. did make a really good point because the times that I've been, like I've had crushes that were reciprocated yeah. and I've had crushes that weren't. And the only difference is that the other person wasn't into it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everything that I usually do when I have a crush seems very creepy or like clingy. Or you mean if they're not into if it. If they're not into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they were into it, it would be like, hey... This is, That's right. You know what I mean? The weird kid, like, I, I am not encouraging stalking. But if you're in love with your stalker, that's not a stalker. That's an attentive boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Like, if you are about spending time with that person, he's available. He's, he's emotionally. He's standing right outside yeah, your apartment. He's waiting by your car. <laughs> oh, it's okay when your dog does it. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. He's jealous of a dog. No, but there is something I remember. I've told you this. I probably told it on the podcast where I had a crush on this girl in eighth grade and I got her a stone and I was going to give her the stone. But I knew she didn't like me. So if I give you a stone I found on the beach and and I know you don't like me. Yeah. It's this weird like you're asking for it-ness where I'm like, I know you're not going to like that. I actually don't think I gave it to her. Yeah. Because I came to my senses. I was like... Wait, she doesn't like me. She's dating this guy. <laughs> like, why right. would... So I didn't. But again, it was just this unuseful energy, nowhere to put it. Yeah. It's like and comedy. Comedy is appropriate in a comedy club. But right. if you're just at a party being like, balls are weird. Like, just <laughs> yeah. at Thanksgiving. That's What's right. up with balls? It's like a coin purse for your testes. <laughs> so the question is... It's great. Uh, it's the, great. It's a great bit. It's great, great, great bit. I am so sorry. I didn't. I almost didn't acknowledge it. Ready to go. Um, no, that that is not a great bit, but I appreciate it. It's yeah. just a it's a bargain basement observation. Yeah. But I love that you loved it. Um, I sometimes there's a find in the bargain basement. <laughs> <laughs> now you're in defense of the yeah. bit that you maybe it's in. good. Yeah. Maybe coin purse for your testes. It it's like it starts as an analogy. It's like a coin purse, but then just for your testes. Right. It yeah. just doesn't really. It gave work. up on itself. It did. Um, but is there a cool way to handle it if you have a crush on someone and they don't like you back? I don't think there's any cool way to be except for to just be like, quietly go away. <laughs> like, Yeah, the coolest thing you can do is also the lamest thing you can do, yeah. which is quiet, like, <coughs> like Homer Simpson into the shrub. You just yeah. back up slowly. Yeah, That's what Denzel Washington, the coolest man in the world, would do. If yeah. he's like, ha, 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 I like you. And they're like, no. He'd be like, ha, ha, ha. And he'd just walk slowly. You'll never see or hear from me again. Yeah. The only power you have yeah. is the power of dignity. Yeah. No matter what they take from me. Away. They can't take away my dignity. That song is about someone didn't like Whitney. Someone had, yeah, she had a crush on someone and they didn't like her back. The Garth Brooks quote. Yes. In the airport, Denver airport, 
where I am a lot. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm always connecting through the Denver airport. So if you're listening to this in the Denver airport, just keep an eye out for the Illuminati and me. You have to explain that to me, by the way. That's a part of your bit that I don't understand. But do the Garth Brook, for God's sake. I will. Dark but, Garth Brook. But th- they, say, they say the Denver airport has, like, ties to the Illuminati. There, some say it's shaped like a swastika. Which I'm sort of like, yeah, that kind of looks like what you would plan. Like, they need a safe place to land here and here and here and here. Like, I could see that being an accident. I'm not trying to defend no, I, no. Fa- fascism. I'm just Nobody like, here's a runway, here's a runway, here, and here's the middle part where they all go to those different, like, kind of crooked runways. Yeah. Like, I could see how it's that all, would be it's all potentially... Right Yes. yes. <laughs> you don't want a spiral airport. No. Planes don't land don't on, a, the, on a curve. Yeah. Nobody's uh, dr- Tokyo drifting at the airport. Right. You don't want the Getty. Is it the Getty? Uh, the Guggenheim is Guggenheim. what you're Guggenheim. Yeah. There's no Guggenheim airport. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I saw. It said something like courage or patriotism or something. And the quote, I kind of want to look it up, but I think I can get it right. It said... When we realize there's only one race, humanity, then we'll all be better for it. Or something like that. And I was like, Garth, like, look, I don't mean to give notes to Garth or Chris Gaines. Yeah. But here's the rewrite. We'll all be better off when we realize there's only one race, the human race. Yes. Like, that's a turn of phrase. Right. I want to. I. 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 I and it's also, not worth finding. And also you have to trust that I'm saying it pretty close to what it was. And it's, it's. It's like. It's like falling down the stairs slowly. It's like we'll all be much better off when we realize there's only one race: humanity. There's. <laughs> like, there's Garth. so much about this. There's so much about this. Garth. One. One is. That's not his original idea. I've heard that quote. Well, that's probably why he didn't say the race, human race, because he's like, I got to put some Garth Stank on this. Probably. And also, mm, uh, I don't, that's a little too close to like, I don't see color. Sure. Uh, also, I don't you know. know I could argue the other side, but I, I know what you're saying. Uh, well, just you have also to maintain- considering the source. Like, like if oh, he yeah. had self awareness being like, you know, I'm like a white. Straight white man cowboy. If so I was, there's a chance that even if what I mean is this more like Desmond Tutu sort of kind of like. If Desmond Tutu said it, it <laughs> is different. It's a different thing. Garth Brooks does look like someone, if you made a mistake with a pencil, you could use his forehead to like. <laughs> he's like, that's a new. He's a racer white, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. He's like a, a, a number two, or he could do a number one. Yeah. Don't talk to him about a number six pencil. That's just a pen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, I you know he is like kind of ridiculous. Like, remember my brother yeah. showed you? Oh yeah, the videos Tom of Segura him being like has oh, beaten yeah. us to this. The, like Tom Segura, yes, the amount of hours that Tom Segura has gotten out of making fun of Garth Brooks, yes, is longer than Garth Brooks's entire catalog. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and I'm grateful for it. Like, I really. What is his? Oh my God! I've watched those clips we love on, those. on the YouTube.com. You know how they have unboxing videos? Yes. Some of them are Tom Segura <laughs> making fun, but he just weeps with laughter. Uh huh. And it it's makes so when fun. I did Tom Segura's show though, you know, 
It's tricky, meaning, like, I envy how free he can be to just laugh, like he's in junior high. And there's this guy on YouTube that he's obsessed with that just jerks off with different toys. Huh. And yeah, I believe he's a, a gay man because he's doing things with the butt, and he, I don't know. It, that's, it's, you don't have to be gay. That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's true. <laughs> you also that might was not also, like things with the butt if you are gay. It, thank you kindly. <laughs> thank you for shaming me twice. I'm, I'm not trying kidding. to shame I'm you. I'm, I'm trying kidding. to clear your name. Yeah, you're trying to. <laughs> ass play for all. <laughs> Who wants Ass it? play for all? Yeah. If you want ass play, you can has play. <laughs> That's what that yeah. was another Garth Brooks <laughs> sign in the airport. Pass it on. Courage. Pass, Pass it, it on. on. Oh, Darth Brooks. Um, okay. <laughs> That's something Darth Brooks would say, not Garth. If you want ass play, you can <laughs> ass play. You can ass play. Darth Brooks. Ass it on. <laughs> ass it on. Courage, but it's still courage. Yeah, it's still courage. Because let's be honest. It takes a little courage. Everybody knows. Because let's no matter your orientation or what you're into, your first introduction to your butt is is a different thing. And then you're like, what if there's another thing? And then you that does take a certain type of, let's just say, Je curiosity. A sous <laughs> of curiosity. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't know what what were we saying. Um, Tom Segura laughs oh, at jerking. Oh, so off. the guy's jerking off, and because it's YouTube, he doesn't show it, but he's doing it, and it's just on his face, and he's like, "Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah," and then oh he he evaluates like the quality of his orgasm, and there's a couple what things are happening we doing? here. Oh Val, what are we doing? I was sitting there, and as like a spiritual person <laughs> I was trying to stay in touch with like this is a valid person like not not mm-hmm. shame yeah right but also I was watching Tom and I don't think Tom was necessarily shaming him I don't I don't think it was the friendliest <laughs> chuckle like, usually when someone is covering their face and tearing up with laughter it's not because they're your best friend <laughs> right you know what I mean but I, it, it felt innocent enough mm-hmm. so I was like oh I, I feel like my my own sort of like desire to be groovy is is robbing me of this so I was jealous of Tom but I was also jealous of the guy as someone who's yeah. still and I think that's like Obviously, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but there is still a lot of sex shame. Yeah. And I've done a lot of bits about it. One is like, you know, that I think stands true. is like when you're horny, sex makes a lot of sense. And when you're not, it stops. It, it makes less sense. Mm-hmm. So this guy that's just like, these are the ABCs of me. Here's footage of me being so horny that I jerked off on YouTube. And I won't succumb to what, you know, 13-year-old Pete would have done. Take it down. Delete the evidence. Delete the memory. Pray for repentance. You know, mm, repent. Yeah. Wish it had never happened. This guy's like, nope, you can watch this video anytime. Yeah. Well, that is interesting because is it freedom? Like, I feel like I know a few people who really, I'm like, you seem very sexually free. And I don't think any of them feel compelled to like put themselves orgasming on YouTube. Well, that's a fair point. I'm projecting onto him what I what I sort of crave, which is just more freedom. I would guess, and, and I don't know, and yeah. maybe it is freedom, but I, my guess would be that there is so much shame that he's like kind of getting off on the shame of it. You didn't like, see this I, guy. He, he okay. looked like he was getting a, a twist 
a twisty cone at the Dairy Queen. It was like the most casual. Like, but why? What What do you think compels him to do it? Just no, no. I'm with you. I think I think exhibitionism is is a realism. Right. That is a realism, <laughs> and it always has bism. <laughs> and he, this guy's ism is to jism. <laughs> on like a, a family friendly website. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot there's happening. A lot. It is. It is a lot, and. But yes, to go back to the like the shame and the that part of it, I just I also feel like, you know, I kind of had this thought the other day where I was like, I am attracted to you. I'm attracted to comedians like that type where the like neuroses is attractive. Like I'm attracted to yeah. your brain. But that means I can't imagine any comedian that I know like being very sensual. <laughs> That's so fu- I think I've told you this before that when I toured with Jim Gaffigan 20 years ago, yeah. I was like, wow. And Jim's a guy, I didn't know what I meant by this, but I think I have a better sense now. Mm -hmm. Like Jim's a guy that I could see at at a strip club, not be, I don't even think he's that kind of person, but I could see him being like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Meaning, I was just talking about his persona, by the way, not even who he was offstage, but I was just like, he has a persona that has an id. Like he addresses... I hate the term carnal, but the bottle. Interesting. It's because my mother, oh. when my wife had an, my ex wife had an affair, she was like, "It's so carnal." I thought she was a Christian. I was like, Bleh. "Oh God!" Bleh. Well, now we all hate the word carnal. Yeah, we all we all just <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Remember where we are, where we lost the word carnal. <laughs> but um, I know what you mean. It, it, it's it's. Can I say something else that you made me think of? Yes. We are rewatching White Lotus, Valerie. And one of the things that I find interesting—I <laughs> find so much interesting about that show. Obviously, we're re- rewatching the first season to see if it foretells the second season, mm-hmm. which we think it does, which is yeah. even more impressive. If you think of Mike White writing a show quickly during a pandemic and no one knows what's going on, and he's seeding in a second season, like that's yeah, that's next level genius right there. Yeah, but anyway. I'm thinking about that that movie, uh, that, that series has so much to do with identity mm. and tribe. And I was like, isn't it interesting that one of the things that binds tribes together is their shame? Mm. I think uh, like a, a question you can ask to understand a group is what are you ashamed of? Wow. And when different groups don't gel, I think it's because they're ashamed of different things. Wow, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I could see that. And like that that show is all about rich white people and rich white people are ashamed. I would I'm I'm just speaking for my myself growing up upper middle class so like having an understanding of this ashamed of sex, mm-hmm. ashamed of like overt sexuality. Mm-hmm. You do it, you know, maybe a little little cleave but like the guy's certainly not going to wear a tank top to dinner, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, at a nice resort like that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to really see too many full-ass thongs. Like, yeah. if I think the things my mother taught me, well-meaning, though she may be, <laughs> <laughs> to look down on, it was definitely G-strings. Like, at, like just full-out ass on tiny V in the front G-strings. It was like, 
what are you doing? Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. I'm not saying that. That's not my feeling. Yes. I'm all for him, baby. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, that's too, <laughs> no, too, too, far, too far the other too far. way. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I, I like them. No, no, I have no opinion about them. Why am I even talking feel, about other people's I feel bodies? Completely neutral about G strings and says no I, one ever. I see a G string and a full ass out G string. I have no feeling. I feel that it might as well be just full pants ass. <laughs> Yes. All you need to do is picture someone in tights, and that's them. So that's an ass-out G-string. Mm. Tights are crazy. Tights? You mean, like, Ladies? leggings? Yeah, leggings. Okay. Because nobody should like be wearing tights with no pants. Tights I mean, are no just skirt. your legs? Yeah, they're, like, they're more transparent. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but you mean, like... But when people walk around in... I'm not trying to be a creepazoid here. I'm just saying, if you walked around in... What are they called? Leggings. Leggings. Or like, yeah. So just, like, skin-tight up to the waist pants. Yes. If you walked around a Puritan village in one of those... <laughs> I mean, it's over. <laughs> it's, you'd be I, for I don't mean you'd be burned. I just mean like it's it it would incite like a horniness revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, sure. So we're ashamed of sex. We're also ashamed to a certain extent, and you know, I have so much noise trauma of noise. Yeah. Like having a good time. Taking up too much space. Yes. In a room. And I, when I watch White Lotus, I actually think that's one of the unspoken things when it comes to seeding your privilege or like mm. sharing with different tribes, different cultures. I, I, I'm all for that, by the way. I'm just saying, why the anxiety? I think it's because it's like, are you ashamed of what we're ashamed of? Because it's absurd what what some white people are ashamed of because it includes laughing too loud at dinner. Right. It does. Yeah. Like if you're having too good of a time, by the way, my my Cuban friends, my South American friends, different, completely different value there. Right. Why wouldn't we were... you want to be the happiest people in the restaurant? And there's and Greek people. There's just and different cultures. I know Greek people are white people. I'm just saying. I, I guess they are Mediterranean people. I'm just saying. But that's really interesting because that is presupposing that if we ceded our privilege and they got it, then they would have to become like us. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying why don't people want to cede, concede their privilege more? And I think maybe it's just one of the ways they justify it is they go like, well, are, are, we, are we afraid of the same stuff? It's like we've built walls, to puritanical walls to keep certain things out. Again, I'm just going to say this one last time. I'm not in favor of those walls. I'm not trying to continue these prudences. Yes. I'm just saying, what is, what is the phobia? Because it actually feels like a phobia that people want... Malibu private beaches. And if yeah. you, if someone does come in, it, it is sort of assumed. I, I can see your point too. It's like, well, now you will be here and we will be certain a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah, because which is still white people having the privilege because then that's yes, them imposing they, their culture. They set the and, taste. And yeah. I think culture is where we're getting at. It's like when I remember reading something about like, when Italian people started coming over in New York, they like... This is it. They couldn't... Like, the white people that were there were like, oh, the streets stink because it's like gar they're cooking with garlic. Yes. And they're like, it was a foreign smell. And and so, like, it, that's like... I mean, that's Bloody. just one example of how white people have no culture of their own and think that anyone else's culture is lesser than... And the more space that culture takes up, the more offensive it is to 
white people. That's what, yeah, you're, we're, we're on the same page. Which is funny. How good is garlic to have won that battle? Yeah, garlic is undeniable. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. When So our friend who lives in our house uh, uh, is renting our old house. Yeah. She makes a lot of, like, like one of her businesses is making traditional Jewish food. Mm-hmm. And when I go, I'm like, this... The house just smells in a way that I, I it smells great, but yeah. I'm like, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then it, like, isn't it, again, what are we ashamed of? What do we smell like? Yeah. Like, what is the smell of your culture? <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm Lithuania, you know, I'm other things, but like, I love fermented cabbage. Yeah. And I'll, I'll join you. It smells kind of like you're having a rough digestional day. Yeah. But like, to me and my mom, we're like, let's get some radishes going. Let's get some <laughs> cabbage going. And, you know, my Irish side too. There was a time when, you know, that was the stinky or the strange. And by stinky, mm-hmm. I just mean foreign smelling or not foreign. I was trying to say not something so pointed, yeah. uh, unfamiliar smelling thing. To, to white people in America, yeah. But it's funny that you say that because I don't know exactly, I know it exists now, mm-hmm. PB&J whites, like yeah. the true cultureless white yeah. didn't exist. That's like, isn't that more of a modern, I don't mean modern, modern, but when you say white people have no culture, yeah. Uh, as a white person, I can agree because I'm, I'm a mutt and I don't really have a deep culture and that's what makes it possible for me to like, uh, what's it called? Appropriate yes. and, and steal and, mm-hmm. and judge. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I, I would do this, but like I'll be the arbiter of how you should behave at a Four Seasons because mm-hmm. it, that I think kind of is my point that these resorts are like, this is a place where you... We've agreed to uh, adhere to a cultural definition of what high class is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but other cultures would have a different understanding. Yeah. And it's not just white, black, Latino, China, Japan. Like, there's just different yeah. flavors. Yes. But, but I wonder where in history somebody smarter than us knows where the, what I'll call the PB&J, Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup, white people come from or where they are well i would because all of them are scandinavian or something that's what i was gonna say i would imagine it's mostly like or at least then before like even irish people started coming over and then italian people and it was it was mostly people from england like it started right which that and with all and i i have quite a bit of british blood Mm -hmm. with all respect to england having been to england it is sort of the culture that Look, they have a lot of stuff going. They've got the queen. They've got tea. But one of the... one of They the, got Ted Lasso. They got Ted Lasso, which is an American-made show. But yes, but um, they have the Beatles. They have a lot of culture, but isn't it interesting that part of their culture is... It's let's not be too imposing now. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, oh, let's ju- all take it just down just one notch. Jamila Jamil, who is somebody that everybody should follow. She's fantastic. Um, she has this really great, because she's British, and she has this really great theory about it that I heard her say on Conan's podcast that I might butcher, but just go listen to her on Conan's Edit podcast. Edit that out. <laughs> just come on. Goes to go right now and listen to her. Um, okay. <laughs> but she, it was something like, and I hope I'm not butchering it, it was something like she thinks that the passivity of British people comes from the fact that they lost in... Like, she thinks that all, like, the smugness of Americans and the passivity of 
British people comes from the fact that they respectively won and lost the Revolutionary War. Like, oh, but God. Like, it still is that based it's like on a that. big loss. Yeah. And they're just well, like, yeah, oh, and then like slowly one by one, it's even since then, like, you know, their countries have dropped out of the Commonwealth and they're like, they being, lost India. So they were, I, I like, don't know if they lost India. They, Did they, lose? they lost the India. Most, India's independent. Yeah. Yes. So they lose. They were the most powerful. And then they like keep, you know, like losing these things. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's like. Uh, again, I, I'm not putting. Well, I don't want to make an example. It's like a movie star yeah. in the '90s yeah. who was in every movie, and Pauly Shore was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! You slipped. <laughs> Whoops! A diddle. No, no. I'm not, slip. I'm not even making fun of Pauly. I'm just saying. There's a certain my dear friend Pauly. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's 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 just a. Having a like Jim Gaffigan back back at it again in this conversation. Yeah, told me one of his secrets is never be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mm. So because if you're that big, you yeah, can. I love own... that he's choosing that. <laughs> Just that is so funny. Oh really, Jim? <laughs> did you, you turn did you it, turn it, it down? down constantly? You turning down the? <laughs> They're not 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 knocking on your door. <laughs> so. I think he would think that's hilarious. I hope so. I really like him. <laughs> me too. But I know his point. But guys like me, I I also flatter myself in the same way where I'm like, and I've never been on the cover of Rolling Stone as if that was my choice. <laughs> and, you know, that's just by design. I've never wanted to be never, at that level. I would never do it. Yeah. But Great Britain was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Not only that, but on the cover of every magazine in the world simultaneously. They were Rome. Yeah. And then now they're super embarrassed. They suffered like a really bad yeah. beat. Yeah, they did. Over like, you know, a long period of time. So now it's just embedded in the the psyche, yes. the cultural psyche. Which is so funny that America, I don't know if America made up sportsmanship. I'm sure we didn't. Yeah. But we sure are really big into like, even if you lose, be cool. <laughs> yes. Britain. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, but, be nice. But that's like, it's so annoying when a, when a winner says that. Like, you're, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's a it means a different thing. When, like, well, yeah. somebody who is, like, definitely not practicing that just happens to be winning in some ways. Oh, yeah. And I, really losing in all the ways that matter, but, like, winning in the ways that kind of matter to our culture. I've mentioned this on this podcast before. I heard what you said in our culture. I was <laughs> waiting to say this, but I heard everything <laughs> you said. Okay. There was a World Series of Poker that I watched where there was this guy. I forget who, who what his name was, and doesn't that just show to go yeah? Like, who cares? <laughs> He was winning. He was an amateur. He clearly studied the math and the probability and the odds. And he just played really conservatively and, and also got enough money that he could start playing aggressively. And then he won. Mm -hmm. And everybody that got knocked out, that's all you have to understand about poker is every once in a while someone is busted out. He would shake their hands and go, friend, you've got a friend for life. Oh, you've got I a friend for life. You've got a friend that. for life. And at a certain point it was like, Dude, fucking stop saying you've got a friend for life. You've got a friend for life. You've got a friend life. for life. And I was just like, oh. you know what? That that has to be two ways. And this guy's mad at you that you just beat him at cards. Like it just it was like too much good sportsmanship. Yeah, I was just trying to teach our daughter about good sportsmanship. 
because she, um, we were playing shoots and ladders, and she just like sort of is a little bit of a cheater. <laughs> it's all right. Hilarious. And I know you're going to always let her win. So I was like, this is up to me. So like, I was like, let's play for real, because then if you win, you'll feel so good because you did it on your own. Yeah, very bluey. Yeah, and so then we did, we were playing for real, and I was winning for a little bit, and she was like, aww, and I was like, it's okay, boo, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and that's true for everybody. And then it's I, all you play the game. And then I was like, you can just say, what What did I tell her? Oh, I was like, you, if, if you, because remember, I was doing this in response to, she was racing her friend Delu, and they won. Well, Delu... Listen, and they rubbed it in a little bit. Well, Delu started running first. Okay, you are so cute. You're very different. Look, I'm sorry, but it's 100% true. Delu, uh, who we love. Who we love. Uh, and most days end with me pushing Delu and Lila on the swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a little race, but I was holding Lila. Delu said, let's race. Started running. I put Lila down. She started running. I was like... That's not a race. That's chasing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is why By it's up way, to me to teach no, her. No, no, no. I'm aware that I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> but then I knew Leela was going to be very... Leela hates to lose. But that's what I mean is like in that moment I was like, we got to teach this girl how to lose. Like it's okay. No, for real we do. And yeah. so I, I just said... I used that as an example. I was like, so for example, like if you're... If you are chasing or if you're racing Delu and they win again, you can just say, good, good game. Yeah, good game. <laughs> or I was like, I, cause no, cause what I first said was, you could say, maybe I'll win next time. And yeah, she, that's straight from Muppet Shorts. Exactly. It's and okay. She, maybe I'll maybe win, win next, next time. time. I've heard her say that. On another day. On another day. <laughs> that's what he says. Yeah. If you guys aren't watching Muppet Moments. Oh, yeah, that's what it's called. That's so good. Um, and then so I said, just say, maybe I'll win next time. And she went, Delu will just say, no, you won't. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and okay, now, just say good game, good game. Now so you're now, learning about trash talk, which is also <laughs> part of sports. Yeah, it's true. Which is, which is interesting. Well, we were talking about, uh, let's, let's get back into this after the, uh, the mid-rolls. I guess I can finish this thought. Is that like losing a war, which is crazy to think of it as like an athletic loss, but sports are like little play wars. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, the third time I've watched The Last Dance, but when the Bulls lose against Detroit, they keep getting their butts beat. Mm-hmm. There, It takes like all of this effort, this like psychological effort yeah. that I actually think the city... It's helped me understand that the fans actually do impact the team Mm. you could say like what are you doing Mm -hmm. like that's so stupid grown men crying for their team but just like what i do i'm actually putting this together for the first time the crowd informs my performance obviously yeah but the signs that say like let we want detroit like let's get detroit that that impacts them the noise they make the support and i I, i'm really in real time just going like fandom actually is a noble thing and you actually are a shareholder Mm. in if you're going to the games the live games or if you're you know wearing the jerseys or whatever i i mean like i think there is a collective support and that that when you're like if i don't know if you remember detroit was like the scariest team like they were this is in the 90s there was more fouling i guess and they were like brutal they're like punching people and pushing people so it's like they're fighting you know like an like you know obviously it's from the side of the bulls the, yeah. the 
Detroit would put it another way, but they frame it like this, this, these are the bad guys. These are like mm-hmm. the the cheaters and and the the violent people, mm-hmm. and we have to go in and show them like good sportsmanship. And then they walk off. The, the Bulls do beat them, and then they walk off without shaking their hands. Remember that? <gasps> I didn't remember that. Which is very Great Britain. I'm just kidding. They would be like. Lovely war. I'm sure there was a very civil phone call after the Revolutionary <laughs> yes. War. I know there were no phones, but it's the Queen. You have rightly smacked our bottoms. Yeah. And you are now independent. I always think about that because they do go and sign like treaties after wars. Yeah. And you're like, that's gonna be so awkward. You're like, you killed Is you it, killed my people. It, and I killed yours. I know, but There's it also just a, speaks to like corporations also sign mergers that lay off half their workforce well, because it's just that's what i mean this is is. the callousness of looking at like and you call employees foot soldiers you know you're like he's a good soldier like he's that's what i mean really what i mean is it's got to be you have to be so dissociated from your body and your humanity to be able to do that and it not be super awkward and right. humiliating. They're like, that's the job. They're just like, this is what we're doing. We're fighting. Like, you just, you know, it's the mythology of being like, your country is worth fighting for. I probably shouldn't say that. I, no, of course it is. Yeah. Okay. I think it's remiss. And I think this is being corrected a little, at least in my own personal life, as someone that would, you know, not even that long ago, look down my nose on the military and stuff. I'm also like, this is what this reality is. Yeah. And and I'm not just saying this to virtue signal or, or, or to feign some sort of fake gratitude. I'm like, that's that's part of what is keeping structure. It's a big part of what's keeping stability. Or, or, or I understand nothing is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I know soldiers that would tell you the same thing. But to be like, that's ridiculous is like... It's just really complicated. Yeah. And I've never really I've never really enjoyed the uh, the poo-pooing, even though I like to criticize the country. And I know this isn't what you're doing. No, I know. The poo-pooing of, of that is, is, is silly. Look, let, let's do the mid-rolls and we'll come back and we'll talk about how America is the only country that ever used nuclear weapons and we're also the ones that decide who else gets to use them. I'm just <laughs> kidding. We'll be right back in, I think it's, two, I think it's just two minutes. So two minutes. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Sunday's Food for Dogs, the only dog food that is healthy, easy to store. It's basically like having a box of cereal in your pantry. Easy to store, meaning you don't have to have... We we tried this one thing where it was like little containers all up in our fridge. Like 70% of our refrigerator was dog food, which was ridiculous. This is Sunday's Food for Dogs. It's like having a box of uh, cereal, easy to store, and for real, like a 90s dog food commercial, when I break out the yellow box of Sundays, Brody loses his mind. It is absolutely, bar none, his favorite dog food, and it's my favorite dog food too, because it's unbelievably easy, and it's so nice to see him happy and devouring it. Sundays is air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients. Sundays was co-founded excuse me, by Dr. Tori, a practicing veterinarian. Sundays uses 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and 0% synthetic nutrients. Besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, you'll find digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. Dog parents report noticeable health improvements, I can attest to that, in their pups, including softer fur, fresher breath, better poops, let's be honest. 
That's that's number one on my list. You get way better poops and more energy. Brody absolutely scurries on the ground and slides like he's on ice to get this food when it comes out. Unlike other fresh dog food, Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. Like I said, it doesn't overtake your fridge. It goes right in the shelf. It's shelf stable, which makes it easy to feed your pup top quality food. Every order ships right to your door, so you never have to worry about running out of dog food again, which honestly was a big problem before we subscribed. It's so easy now. It's a no-brainer. Sundays cost 40% less than other healthy dog food brands because Sundays doesn't waste money shipping frozen packages, which is also just a huge waste. Instead, they spend on their materials sourcing the best all-natural ingredients for your pup. So we've worked out a special deal for our dog-loving listeners. Weirdos get 35% off your first order for Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash weird or use code weird at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash weird. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. Also brought to us by our friends at Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions cost each month? Most Americans think they spend about 80 bucks a month on subscriptions when the actual cost is closer to 200 bucks. 200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. I'm certainly one of them. Like that streaming service you bought to just watch that one show. Hello, next Sam. Or that free trial you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth where they're just trying to trick you to stay on. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person, listen to this, up to 700 $120 a year. It's incredible. It couldn't be easier. I was deeply unaware, deeply unaware of how many subscriptions I had just running in the background and auto renewing and just costing more and more money. And Rocket Money makes it so easy to get rid of all that and save you, get that cash back in your pocket, all with the click of a button. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash weird. That's rocketmoney.com slash weird. One last time, rocketmoney.com slash weird. Last but not least, I don't know if you guys know this, but it was raining uh, in Northern and, well, I'm in Southern California, but in Southern California, it was raining. I'm in the Northern part of Southern California. That was, that's why. In Southern California, it was raining for about, I don't know, nine years. We have a river in town now. There's a river. (laughs) It's been so muddy and so wet, not to mention we love to hike. All of this is to say we needed to upgrade our shoe game. And let me tell you, Vessi shoes are an absolute game changer. Why is the Vessi Stormburst the best shoe I have ever worn in the wintertime and obviously here right now in the wet, wet mud of California? Well, they have all the features of a rubber winter boot built into a sneaker. Are you, are you nuts? 
100% waterproof, not water-resistant, waterproof and warm, yet lighter and more comfortable than boots. Also a lot easier to put on than boots. I mean, there have been a lot of times I wanted to go on a hike and I'm just like, I can't, I can't with the boots. These are basically slip-on. They have a rugged rubber outsole that gives you extra grip in wet conditions and added lining inside for extra warmth in the cold. And they slip on and off. It's quick and easy to get outside. They are made from Dymatex. What is Dymatex? It's a super soft knit material that keeps your feet warm in the cold, but cool in the winter months and doesn't feel like it should be waterproof. Doesn't have that like claustrophobic, absolutely nothing happening in there feeling, but it is. It's absolutely, it feels great and it keeps the water out. Super comfortable. I also think they look great. Something about the Dymatex looks like a designer pattern. So I get a lot of compliments when I wear them. Plus, they're awesome. They, they don't slip on rocks. They keep you warm. They keep you dry. And they slip on and off like sneakers. It's an absolute game changer for walking the dog, going on hikes, and just keeping my feet dry. Nothing worse than wet socks. Nothing worse than wet toes. Guys, keep it, keep it dry downstairs. <laughs> Vessi are my go-to shoes by my door. Check them out in the link, vessi.com slash weird for a pair of your Vessi shoes. All you have to do is click vessi.com slash weird and use promo code weird for 15% off your entire order. Thank you again, Vessi. Use promo code weird for 15% off your entire order. It's the only shoes you need because of how versatile they are. Show your support of the show. Vessia saved my feet from those soggy, soggy socks. All right, everybody. Get back into it. Wow. That was like a zero second two minutes for us. That was (laughs) the fastest two minutes of my life. And, you know, guys, thank you for... Maybe you skipped the mid-rolls. Thank you for coming back to the show. Maybe you listened to the mid-rolls. Maybe you bought something. It's nice. Oh, that's my epiphany. I can share my epiphany. What is it? What were you going to say? I was just going to say somebody just messaged me, showing me their Apollo. The Apollo. Apollo is so great. Apollo, Next Evo. These are, there's certain Pete's picks that I'm just like, I always have on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I like feel really happy about promoting those. And I feel good about promoting all of them. Obviously, I wouldn't do it. But we were just talking about this, that... To, not to force the spiritual issue, but literally, we're we're in um, Charlotte right now, and we were flying here, and I made a note to myself. It was so important. Every once in a while, I'll have like a, a small epiphany, and I'm like, I have to write this down. Like, I don't want to forget this. And I was doing my Course in Miracles lesson, and I was thinking about guilt. One of the things that A Course in Miracles is about is... Uh, deprogramming your guilt and your fear. Mm-hmm. It's sort of working on the on the basis that you are afraid of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you're a naughty boy because you're separate. I know this doesn't resonate with everybody. I'm not even trying to sell it to anybody. I'm just saying I can get with that. Mm-hmm. I can even get with that on a biological level. You separated from your mother. Yeah. And now, you, so you took life from her, and now I live 4,000 miles away from her. So I even have that. Mm-hmm. And I'll even concede that that's in the mix, why it makes sense. But just as it is with that, A Course in Miracles would say, God is perfect oneness, then what are we doing here? We must have separated. So it posits that there is guilt and fear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. I'm a person that that lives 
with just sort of like low grade anxiety, not all the time, but it shows up. Like I'm, I'm experiencing it today, although it's a good amount. It's why this conversation is so lively and we're honestly why we're having so much fun and why I'm looking forward to the show tonight. I have the right amount of anxiety. This is right, this is the good, I did a key bump of anxiety mm-hmm. and I feel really good about it. Mm-hmm. But I do experience this sort of dread and there's something related to this podcast that is one of the bigger problems in my life. And it's when I can't find guests Mm. or I can't find sponsors. Why do I need to find sponsors? There's a whole team here. It's not just me. It's Joe Faria who does our YouTube. He edits these nine-hour videos. There's Katie Levine, obviously, who does the the posting and the editing. And she's there live on the day and shoots the video. So there's, there's this team. And and obviously it's it's part it's it's one of my jobs and it's the most consistent job that I have, and I love it. But when I'm not booking, like when I can't get a guest to mm-hmm. say yes, mm-hmm. and by the way, there's never a shortage of who this month I've been trying to get and it's just not working. Yeah, like they're slipping through my fingers, or I get an email and like. It's not talking shit. You know, MeUndies was a sponsor of this podcast for a long time. Then one day out of nowhere, you'll get an email that's like, MeUndies is uh, moving on. Whatever data they're analyzing, they've, they, they're not seeing the return, so they step away. Okay, here I am talking with you. I'm in my right mind. I'm clear. I feel loved. I feel loving. Mm-hmm. Neither of those things are a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the calendar and I don't have any guests on there and then sponsors are falling off and then I can't find any, it bothers me so much that I had to look at it. And I bet you can guess based on part A and that being part B, what my epiphany was is I'm like, oh, it has nothing to do with podcast guests or podcast sponsors. It's just a feeling of if people say yes to me, I must not be guilty or ugly, mm-hmm. or broken, or shameful. Mm-hmm. And if sponsors want to give us money to, to advertise for them, I must be the goldenest boy in the world. Yeah, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm special. I have the special boy show. Yeah. I'm just going to say words and, and, you know, for a product I like, and, and everybody wins, and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I was like, that's why my tiniest little Course in Miracles tangent tonight, today, is like... It, it is addressing the idea that I am always looking for salvation outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm always waiting for something outside of me to save me, whether it's a good show, a good podcast guest, a good podcast, a sponsor, closing a deal. And that is why I get so passionate mm-hmm. when I talk about the only joy being recognizing your true self, mm-hmm. that salvation comes from you. And by you, I don't mean Pete. I mean like the deepest part of you. Like you have to go inside to mm-hmm. find it. It's because I'm just like a lot of my great spiritual teachers, I think, are talking to themselves. I'm If I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. I'm going, stop thinking that if you have a full podcast schedule and yeah. a full ad schedule that you are innocent and if you don't you must be guilty you must be broken and shameful and And just go like one of the lessons sorry in a course in miracles is i'm under no laws but god's meaning like god thinks i'm innocent Mm -hmm. so the rest is just a puppet show yeah i love that and also just to access compassion for the part of you that does associate it with that 
you know, your worth and your innocence on, on how much you're succeeding. Our, our survival, like biologically, we survived as kids by being like the, the people who, who, you know, on whom my survival depends. Yes have to be pleased with me, otherwise I will die. And in this case, these are the people who are paying you. So it feels like... They're giving me 20 bucks for the movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or no, it just feels like this is your job, so this is how you feed yourself, like basic survival stuff. And the way that you... Oh, I see. As a child, the way that you ensured that your parents were pleased with you so that then you could survive was to be the specialist chosen boy yes so when they're not giving you that or it's it's unclear it's like there is a very real part of you of your animal that thinks that your survival depends on it just like brody too just like brody is like if we're not pleased with him he very rightfully is like well then you won't feed me he's penitent yeah right you will like he's he's afraid for his own survival so just to just to know that to Which access compassion for it. Brilliant. And also I just bought some of those fucking buckets of like Whoa. survival food. Oh my god, that's directly related it's to how so you've been feeling. It's so directly related. I've been having that anxiety and I'm not saying having a, a backup of chicken flavored rice in your <laughs> garage is a terrible idea. I'm just saying it came from a place uh, of me going like, and it is it is my parents. It's like, why does it bother me so much when my mom will text me out of nowhere, I love you so much, sweetie? Yeah. And I'm like, because, and this is all me, mm-hmm. for all I know, she's just feeling a swell of love mm-hmm. and wants to share it and wants me to feel good. Like, there's an argument to be made for that. I take it as like um, someone, like a drill sergeant walking by and like checking my posture. Mm. It's like this like ping to go like, hey, get in character. Yeah. Don't forget. I love you so much. Like, mm. by the way, as I'm saying this, I'm aware that that sounds kind of nuts. Yeah. But I'm like, again, going back to the Course, uh, course in Miracles, one of the things I love about it, I know I've said this other weeks, is that it's like, get honest. Look at your insanity. Yeah. I think my salvation comes in 25-year shelf life buckets of chicken rice, chicken mm-hmm. flavored rice. Mm-hmm. And I think my salvation comes from selling out podcast uh, guests, filling it up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I also think, this is the big one, that I can protect myself by judging everything yeah. because if if everyone sucks i'm innocent mm-hmm. and it's and it keeps saying like will you please recognize that that doesn't work you are not happy yeah. even if you think you're happy judging other people and always saying it was them it wasn't me i'm here it's not my fault look at what these people do to me of course i'm tense of course i'm angry it's this unfair world and of course my unfair parents yanked me into it. None of this is my doing. Therefore, God will judge them and won't judge me. Mm. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's a pretty special thing for me, and it's, it's been helping a, a lot. It's a compelling uh, framework for you to understand all yeah. of that. Yeah. If you're a psychologist, if you like psychology, and if you have a lot of guilt, and if you have a lot of judgment, and you want. Uh, a workbook to go through. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've never fully recommended it, but like I'm, I'm past a point where I'm like, 
Yeah, I think this is something I'm I'm truly enjoying. You so I think you have to listen to Ken Wapnick talks mm. along with it. I don't think it's easy to go go it alone, but the workbook is really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that was my epiphany. I love it. No notes. <laughs> no notes. Well, we're here in Charlotte. We're doing one show tonight. We did Atlanta last night. Mm-hmm. And what are we done? I don't know. Yeah, I think we're great. Fucking yeah. Fucking yeah. Fucking yeah. Um, I mean, I could read a poem. I would love you to read a poem. You know what I'm, I'm going to do? I'm going to read one of my poems for once. Bam, 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 bam. I used to read them all the time. See, if I, was, if I had more restraint, I would have played that song while you read the poem. Why aren't you? It's not too late. Because it was supposed to like surprise you and then you'd oh, laugh and then oh, I'd, I'd turn see. it off. It's not a good song for a poem. <laughs> Um, I mean, I definitely have read these, some, I can't remember which ones I've read and which ones I haven't. So, um, so like maybe I've already read this. You know, it's the ultimate example of what we were saying in the first half of like Puritan culture being ashamed of different things. Mm. When, when you went to like, when the French went to Bora Bora. Yeah. And, like, everyone's naked. Oh. And they're wearing, like, full suits of armor in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's no jungle there, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's always been that way. It's always been, like, yes. <laughs> let's get some khakis for these people. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it's always, but it that is, it is exactly it's a, it's mod- an old it's thing. modern colonization. That's why the first season of White Lotus is so good, because it's, like, on a land where that is still affected by colonization. Yeah. And and it's like, it's just the modern version of that. Yeah. Um, okay, I definitely have done this one before, but I remember somebody saying they liked it. I just want... What? You're so much quieter than me. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to get you closer to the microphone. <clears throat> yeah, I think somebody told me they like. I think I've done this one before. Anyway, here we go. It's untitled. It's probably called Fire or something. <laughs> well, you're the author. <laughs> well, yeah, but I just listen for what the titles are to drop down from the heavens okay. and land on my tongue. <laughs> Why are you doing my mom's voice? <laughs> Petey, sweetie. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Um, get serious. Okay. One day, I don't remember exactly when, I just fell in love with Fire. It's like I finally got it, how something can be both destructive and comforting, wild and domestic, a painful celebration, a complicated friend, whom you cannot touch but must lean in close to feel, a sharp-tongued mother licking away the afterbirth. Our first greeter into this existence is water, then wind, then earth. They are our companions in our early years. It is only after we've spent time in the darkness, chilled to the bone, in a trance of separation, cursed to hold the burden of generations of pain, all on our own. It is only then, and not a moment sooner, that we are ready to meet the fire, orange light dancing on the cave walls, 
illuminating the stories of our ancestors, calloused bloody hands turning the spit, mothers dancing, skin exposed in celebration of the dangerous light by which they lived. Only then can we appreciate the light. Only then can we really feel the warmth. Only then, when we have too much to carry, can we welcome destruction. What a great one. Thank you. And it sort of had that dancing in the light, which is also like a, again, I know the conversation's over, but like one of the things that's so confusing about puritanical white culture or just puritanical culture is that we're like, put on some clothes, but also like, <laughs> oh, they're not wearing clothes. <laughs> like we have yeah. like, like it's both. Yeah, 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 totally. It's, I, I, it brought me back to, I remember being at Bonnaroo I think I was on mushrooms and there were these fountains and a lot of people shower in the fountains because it's this mm. big, muddy, hippie fest. So there were just naked people. And there was part of me that was like, I don't know about this. And then there was part of me that was like, imagine. <laughs> yeah. You know? I had a friend describe another friend as like... Is this friend and another friend you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shh, don't ask questions. Mm. Um, like, as someone... It was like... She's not someone who would just like get naked and jump into, or no, no, it wasn't even that. She said, it's, she's not someone who would just like jump into a pool with all her clothes on. And I was like, oh, that's good. Such a good way to describe somebody. Yeah. And like, dear listener, I ask you, are you someone who would jump into a pool with all your clothes on? I would, but I'm going to take my phone and my wallet out first. I would, but I'm going to take all my clothes off first. <laughs> there you go. I think even if there was an emergency, I've thought about this, that like someone in the family needed rescue in yeah. a pool. Yeah. I think I would still toss my phone out. <laughs> like I, on the way. Yeah. And then very curb your enthusiasm. that would be like, you thought about your phone? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody's done a White Lotus Curb Your Enthusiasm mashup. Disagree. Uh, um, I think that right. was fresh, and we did it first. Okay. Valerie? Get. Nope. <laughs> Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs>